0: As you're still standing, I want you to grab your word and turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. Just as you're standing, Nehemiah chapter 4. It's a privilege and honor to be with you guys this morning, to be standing in, in, in this pulpit at the tabernacle of praise. I never take this lightly. I almost find this more serious than anywhere else I go, that God brings us across the East Coast and wherever across the world. That this always scares me more than anything else, because I know the anointing that rests on our bishop. Somebody say amen. And I don't know about you, I'm so appreciative of, of, the, of our first family, Bishop and First Lady and their family. You you guys have no clue. And if, if you don't know, just get to know that they are just powerful, anointed people that have changed my life since I've been here in the last two years. And even when you think you know something, when you bring it to him, he's already three steps ahead of you. Amen. And uh, it's just such a great thing to be in here. And I have you know, it's just awesome being at the Tabernacle of Praise. Amen. Amen. Have you know that we have great things ahead of us. Greater things have been behind us, but even greater things are ahead of us. Amen. Amen. This is going to be the year of beginnings and and great things. And I'm believing for incredible things this year. Amen. Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 15. It says, and it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing. He had made their enemies plot to nothing. How you know God has made your enemies plot to nothing? Everything that was meant against you turned out for what your good. Look at somebody beside you and say, it turned out for your good. You know what I realize in life is that you don't have to worry about things. You don't. You have no need to worry about things. Especially when you are a child of God, you are a believer, you are sanctified, blood-bought, Holy Ghost-filled. There is no need to worry about anything. So just get you a Diet Coke, some cheesecake, set in your recliner. Say, God has got this. I don't have to worry. I don't even know how it's going to happen. But, God, you got this. Because, God, everything that the enemy has meant for my bad is going to turn out for my good. He says, And God has made the enemy's plot to nothing, and all that to us returned to the wall. Good Lord. Everyone to his work. And so it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the others half held the spears, and the shields and the bows were armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah and those were built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that one thing they worked on construction with the other held a weapon and every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built and the one was sound and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me And then I said to the nobles, the rulers and the rest of the people, the work is great and and extensive and we are separated from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, somebody say the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. So he labored in the work and and half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. And at the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be at guard by night and working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men off the guard who followed me took off their clothes, except everyone who took them all for washing. I want to focus on this verse right here. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us for our God will fight for us. I want to preach a little bit this morning called uh, rebuilding the walls. Look at about two people beside you and look at them and tell them rebuild the walls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, this morning. Father, we praise you, God. Father, we thank you for your presence that's in this place. Father, the Bible says that, God, you inhabit the praises of your people. And, Father, I'm asking you the same way that in Acts, Acts chapter 2, that, God, you came down and set on your people. Father, God, the Holy Ghost begin to move. And, Father, I'm asking you that you are already in this room. But I'm asking you, God, for a special anointing, God, an anointing, God, that just sets down on us this morning. That, God, that we will never be the same again. That, God, we will never, ever be the same again. God, that we will never, ever, ever be the same again. but the The Holy Ghost will begin to endue us with power to do what we cannot do. Father, we're going to give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. Look at somebody and tell them, rebuild the walls. Amen. You may be seated. Isaiah chapter 58 verse 12 says, those from among you shall build up the old waste places. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Those from among you shall build up the old waste places and you shall raise up the foundations of many generations. Somebody say many generations and you shall be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the streets to dwell in. Have you know more than anything else, we are supposed to dwell in the streets as a believer. But have you know, that's where the enemy attacks the most. The enemy gets to the place where if he can't keep you from being saved, he's okay with you being saved as, never, as long as you never get outside the four walls. But his main goal is to keep you from getting outside of, the four go- outside of the four walls. He doesn't mind if you have good church services. He doesn't mind if the paint comes down. He don't mind if you hang off, the ch- hang off the chandeliers. His main concern is that you don't get so on fire for God that you step outside of the four walls and go into the streets to dwell in how many you know when you think of the streets you don't think of the church you think of the enemy you think of drugs you think of addictions you think of alcoholism you think of sexual perversion you think of things that dwell in the streets but how many you know it's time that we begin to reverse the mindset and transform our minds to where it is us as the believer that dwell in the streets It is us that reach our hand outside of the four walls and say, God, let us, let the church, let the tabernacle of praise dwell in the streets. Uh, Have you know, one of our sayings around here is that we're going to make it hard for people to go to hell here in this region. But have you know, we've got to dwell in the streets. Somebody say, dwell in the streets. So that 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 it is hard for people to go to hell in the streets. That we begin to make impact here in this area. That we begin to reverse the curse of things that are going on. The destruction that is all around us. The ruin that has happened within sin. That we begin to take charge of it and say, God, let me. Let me as the house of God, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Let me as the church dwell in this church so that people may be saved and set free and delivered and healed in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen so we begin to see here in our text here he says that the walls of judah were torn down the walls of judah had been destroyed that if you read in esther and nehemiah and ezra they're all chronological history of showing uh, what was happening in that time that the that the city of judah which is the city of jerusalem had been uh, destroyed it had been ruined it had been burnt down and that uh the people were on the run and they were exiled and the ones that were left were left hopeless they were left without future they were left with with nothing left and they had burnt down the city of judah have you know the enemy will always attack your praise before he attacks anything else When he's going after your car, after your house, after your children, he's not particularly going after them. He's going after your praise. He's going after your worship because he knows if he can give you a flat tire on the way to church, you won't praise as hard but what I want to let you know is just because you had a flat tire on one wheel that you got to take in perspective that you had three more that were just full of air and could get you to church come on now you've got to look at it with perspective that if God got me to the house of God if he got me here despite what happened yesterday despite what happened this week despite what happened even this morning that if he allowed me to grace the house of God, that I've got to give him praise. I've got to give him worship because he is worthy of my worship. The enemy is always after your praise. He is always after your worship because having know God created you to be a worshiper. Before he ever created you to be a preacher, before he ever created you to be a singer, before he ever created you to be an usher, a deacon, a greeter, a children's church worker, a mother, a father, a husband, a wife, he created you to be a worshiper. And have you know, the enemy, because he once was a worshiper himself, is after the worship within people. So if he can burn you down with some heat, uh, have you know, Peter said that I've been through the fire, but I came out as pure gold. See, it's all about perspective of how you go through the fire, how you go through storms, that if I come out of it in ashes, if I come out of it, that means God's about to turn around my ashes into beauty. Come on now, that with my heaviness, he's about to give me a garment of praise. And so, devil, you made a mistake of allowing me to go through the fire because I didn't burn up in the fire but I got caught on fire running through hell. And now that that hell couldn't kill me, I'm on fire on the other side of this thing, telling people about the hell I've been through and the heaven I've encountered, and now I've got a praise inside of me, a worship inside of me. We begin to see here that one of the things historically, we begin to see that the only thing that was left in the city of Judy was the temple. The temple was the only thing left. And there's a perspective about this because some could say as long as the house of God is still standing in the city, that's all we need. But sometimes uh, what can happen is that things can go down in ruin, but it's not about the temple itself. It's about the people that are sitting inside the temple itself. And here we were sitting in an area in the city of Judah in an area where the temple was the only thing left, but hopeless people were sitting inside of it. Hopeless people, all they saw was the walls that had been torn down. All they saw was the walls that had been burned, the, the city that had been burnt down. But uh, I want to let you know that if you still have the presence of God and that's all you have left, uh, how many of you know you still got something? The devil, if you take my car, but I still have my praise, I'll get another car. If you take my house, but I still have my praise, I'll get an even better house. If you take my relationship, God, if you could give me Mrs. Wrong, I guarantee you Mrs. Right is on her way. Because I'm going to praise my way until it begins to happen. But when we begin to lose hope and lose our perspective and our vision of who God is, what begins begins to happen is the enemy can begin to attack. Because how you know it's not just enough to have a temple, just to have a church, but we as believers have got to rebuild the walls around us. We have got to rebuild the walls around us. We have got to rebuild the walls of our city. We have got to rebuild the walls around our state. We have got to rebuild the walls around our nation. Because how do you know when the walls are not up is when the enemy can begin to attack he knows if i can get in it's one thing that one gate is down because when you understand anything about this temple there was ten different gates going around it and it's one thing to take down the fish gate it's one thing to take down the horse gate to where we can protect that one area and fight off the enemy from that one enter but when the whole walls are down the enemy can attack you at every single side and have you know we've all had days like that where the enemy attacked taxed you, everything coming and going. You know what I'm talking about? When it rains, it pours. Come on now. To where every area of your life, everything is attacking you. It's attacking your finances. It's attacking your emotions. It's attacking your mind. It's attacking your children. It's attacking your stuff. But have you know, the Bible says in Ephesians that we got to put on the whole armor of God to be ready for every attack from the enemy. Because, see, these walls were a place of protection. These walls were a place of strength. Because the enemy knew, if you look at the Berlin Wall, it is literally almost six feet deep. Hundreds of miles long. And the enemy knows, if I'm going to attack that city, I better come with some force because they are unified they are protected and have you know it's not enough just to have good services it's not enough just to just to worship God it's not enough just to come together as one but we've got to rebuild the walls of our city we've got to rebuild the walls around our home to when the enemy knows uh, that when I come in I better come in with some force uh, because I know I'm about to fight a battle but when the walls are down he knows you're vulnerable he knows you're 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 under attack he knows that he can get you uh, at any particular angle but when we as believers begin to rebuild the walls no matter if it takes us brick by brick uh, wall by wall we've got to start somewhere to say god enemy devil you will not take Hurricane down, not that easy. You will not take Colodin down, not that easy. But devil, you're up against a church that knows how to fight. You're up against a church that knows how to pray. You're up against a church that knows how to worship. You're up against a church that knows how to fast. You're up against a church that knows how to get on their knees and seek God, and it's not going to be. West Virginia because you won't get the middle of West Virginia because we have a fortitude uh, packed around it, and we gotta rebuild the walls for Jesus in this area there's nothing worse than hopeless people there's nothing 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 worse than hopeless people because have you know if you still have hope you can accomplish anything One thing that we found out is when we were in different countries and I'll never forget this being in Africa is that there's always hope. No matter the perspective, no matter the situation, no matter the condition, there's always hope. There's signs of people saying, win your passport, get your American dream lottery. There's always a hope putting in front of those people. And so they'd stay living in hope. It is only here in America, especially in the American church, that this is a pre-shadow of what's going on today. That we have lost our hope in America. But how do you know if you've got a relationship with the Holy Ghost and with Jesus, you always have hope down inside of you because he is my hope. He is my way. He is my truth. And devil, no matter what you throw against me, no matter what you throw against my family or my region, we will always come out victorious. So we see here that this is an area, how do we you know we got, to, we got to fight the devil I'm t- let me just stop here for a second, because how do you know that the enemy, If you all you got to do is turn on the news, just any station. I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, or somewhere in between. Find your favorite uh, news station, and you can see that sin is attacking us from every angle. People were more excited and worked up over 50 shades of gray than there were 21 people dying for the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, people were worked up and standing in line. But when 21 people die, there's not an outrage in our country. There's not people standing up and praying. But I have you know, we need revival to stand up again and say, devil, enough with sin. Enough with that iniquity. Enough with that junk. But we got to stand up and be the church again. A t- sin is creeping in at every end angle, every angle. And you know what I found out is that if it can get into the city after long enough, sin can get in the church. Sin can get in the church. And don't tell me that sin has not crept into the church because when you get to the place where you have a hopeless church, how do you know that you have a sin filled church? Because when you know who you are as a believer, come on now. When you know who you are as a believer, I may not know where I'm going. I may not know everything that's going on. But if I know who I am and whose I am, my good God. If I know who I am and whose I am, there is nothing that the enemy can do. And I will meet it at the door and say, devil, there's been a a line drawn in the sand. And you may have got in our region, but you won't get in our church. We begin to see here that God began to work on Nehemiah. Nehemiah was an outsider. He had been exiled. He had been taken away. And he was close to the years of 80 years old. He had been exiled with Daniel and, and all these ones and serving Nebuchadnezzar. And it says that he was on the outside. But how do you know sometimes you need an outsider to get correct perspective? Because how do you know sometimes you can live with dysfunction? Come on now. I had a car once and I'll never forget this. I had four doors and only one worked. I'm not lying. I didn't care. It was my work car. You understand? It was my work car. I drove it back and forth to work, but but the only time I ever got a perspective of my car was when I invited someone else to ride with me. To when I would say, you're going to have to stand here. Let me get in, open up your door. Then you're able to get in. And the truth being known is I couldn't even get in from the door from the outside. I had to go in from the back and open it up around the front. Y'all been there. Come on now. I mean, I had the most dysfunctional jacked up car, but you know what was good about it? I could leave it in any hood, any ghetto, and nobody would steal it because they couldn't get in it. <laughs> I could leave that thing sitting on the east end for a week and nobody had touched that car. But what happens is we get used to our own dysfunction. We know how to crawl around the seat and reach up and pull the door and it becomes okay with us. But when And I'll never forget when the CV joints begin to begin to make a little bit of noise. And I'll never forget Elder Spotswood. Josh, you guys know who that is. But we're riding down the road. And, man, I was so anxious. I didn't want him riding in my car. I mean, I was at perspective really happened. You understand? Hear this man so well off. So I mean, he was so profound and could speak so well. And I had to give him a ride, even just a mile. And all of a sudden, the CV joints started making a noise. Y'all know that noise. Clack, 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 clack and he said brother what's what's that noise and my answer was brother it's all right don't worry about that noise and he looked at me and said noise is always there for a reason because noise is showing you that something's wrong I don't want to get too far into that but if your kids are making too much noise stop and look at the root of the problem if your church is making too much noise stop and look at the root of the problem If your business is making too much noise, stop and look at what's going wrong because the noise is there for a reason. But I'll never forget that because it took an outsider to look into my situation to say, brother, this thing's about to fall apart. You need to get a new perspective. So God sent in a different perspective to where Nehemiah began to have a burden. He began to have a burden, not someone that was sitting in the ruin, not someone that was being under attack, but an outsider began to have a burden for his area. And the burden began to turn into this thing where he moaned and groaned. And the first thing he began to do was pray. He didn't try to go change it, but he began to get on his knees and begin to pray. Have you know, that's the first thing we got to do. We don't need to get on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We don't need to get on the phone and call up our cousin Boo Boo. But we need to get on our knees and say, God, what is it that you want me to do? God, why is it that this thing is bothering me? Why is it that I can't sleep in the middle of the night? Why is this thing taking my rest? Why is this thing making me cry? I've got to get on my knees and say, God, give me perspective of my situation so that I can change my atmosphere. (laughs) Nehemiah began to get a, a, a revelation from God. And all of a sudden, he wasn't telling nobody what was going on inside of him. I'm talking about, he was so distraught over Judah. He was so distraught over Jerusalem. And I want to give this perspective to you because have you know, he was the cupbearer. He was the one that was sitting in the king's palace, sitting in comfort. But he said, how can I sit up here in comfort while my city is going down in ruin? Don't that sound like us as the church? How can I sit in comfort while people are going around me to hell with addictions or going to going to hell with broken marriages? How can I sit here in comfort? But God, take me out of my comfort. God, I'm going to pray until something begins to happen. I'm going to push and pray until something happens. God, so take me outside my comfort until I can change this situation all of a sudden King Xerxes began to look at him and said what's going on with you he hadn't said a word to nobody but he said He said, Nehemiah, what's going on with you? I can tell, I know you, what's going on inside of you. And all of a sudden, Nehemiah began to tell him, and he said, King, can I take a letter from two different different kings and take it down there to change? So when opposition hits, I know that my area can be saved. I want to let you know that God will give you favor before you ever ask for it and you and see the problem is we get all this backwards we start saying we start praying for promotion we start praying for favor we start asking for doors to open up but you know what i found out is when you get proper perspective of saying god just let me get in your presence and let me pray for the burden let me pray for the situation that god i'm more obsessed with your presence you know what i found out is that his presence attracts blessing His presence attracts favor. His presence opened up Doors, without me ever having to say a word. I want to let you know that whatever you're going through, that if you'll get in God's presence and say, "God, Your presence is all that matters to me." God, it's not about my need. It's not about this situation. It's not about that situation. But God, if I can get in Your presence, my good God, God' favor will come my way. Open doors will come my way. My, this is the sets of steps of a righteous man are ordered before the Lord and God, if my, my face stays righteous before you, God, you open up the door in front of me. That's why it's important that when we get into the house of God corporately, we've got to worship my good God, that if you've been struggling all week, get into presence and corporately begin to worship and say, God, I'm going to press my way into your presence because God, I need a turnaround before I ever leave this place. All of a sudden, Nehemiah, Nehemiah began to get into Jerusalem and to Judea. And the first thing he began to do was unify the people. He didn't try to build, he unified the people. Because how you know, there is power in unification. There is power in one mind, one mindset, even to when you're doing wrong. It says when they begin to build the tower of Babel, it says that they were so powerful, they were going to all, to build the thing all the way into the heavens. Because having you, when you get in one mind, one set mind, having no, you can accomplish anything. The Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000. The Bible says that there is a commanded blessing where, where anything is unified. And how you know, as the tabernacle prays, we got to stay unified because there is greatness in front of us. Come on now. Great things have been accomplished, but how have you know, we are just being set up for greater things ahead. And we've got to link up, stay prayed up, stay unified and say, God, let us do this together and let's rebuild the walls in this region. All of a sudden opposition begin to happen. How do you know that anytime that you go to do anything for God, opposition is soon to follow? But if I'm unified, if I'm unified, the devil can't touch me. Uh, one, of the great, you, one of the greatest moves I like is, 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 is 300 or gladiator that when they begin to fight, they stood side by side, putting their shields together. Why? Because I can do great things by myself, but I can do even greater things as an army. Because how do you know when you go to do anything for God, opposition is soon to follow? But see, the thing is it's all about perspective because how do you know if crazy is breaking out in the natural? If crazy is breaking out in the natural, it's a sign that crazy, crazy blessings are about to break out in the supernatural. But the devil wants you to get tore up by the opposition. He wants you to get tore up by the ridicule. He wants you to get tore up by people cheating on you and pushing you to the back and rejecting you. He wants you to stay focused on that. But you say, devil, on the other side of this storm is my breakthrough. On the other side of this opposition is my blessing. And devil, you wouldn't be fighting me so hard if there wasn't something on the other side of this fight, And so I'm gonna stay unified. And the one thing I like about it is, Nehemiah didn't get tore up by it, he didn't get all upset. But it says the Bible says that he went to praying. Look at somebody beside you and say, Don't make me start praying. Don't make me start praying, because when I start breaking, the heavens will open up, my good God. When I start breaking, open doors will open up. When I start praying, healing will happen. When I start praying, my good God, somebody shout, when I start praying... I'm not talking about complaining. I'm not talking about complaining. I'm not talking about moaning over the opposition, but I'm talking about getting on my face and beginning to pray. I've got the devil on the run because that pullback baby uh, i like it because when pharaoh tried to put opposition on the israelites and he began to make them work harder it says that they grew and multiplied in number because in the devil's stupid he knows he should know this by now that when you put a, a believer under attack have you know we just grow stronger Because all it does is make me draw closer to God. And when I draw closer to God, he begins to work on my behalf. And all opposition does is make me grow, make my spirit multiply. Come on now. When you look back over your life and all that you've been through, the things that should have taken you out, the things that should have killed you, the things that should have locked up your mind, it was that that made you strong. It was that loss that made you gain. It was that thing that should have took you out. All of a sudden, it's that thing that says, God, I may not have seen you then, but God, I see you now. Somebody give God some praise. Somebody shout, it's only going to make me grow. It's only going to make me grow. But Nehemiah began to get a revelation of this. He said, Not only are we going to pray, but we're not going to just stop. Because I know a lot of times that's where we stop at, especially as Pentecostals. Come on now. When opposition hits, we just want to go and pray. And that's good, that's what we're supposed to do. But Nehemiah said, Don't just pray, but you keep building. You keep on building because we're building something for the kingdom and you keep on doing all that you can do in the natural and you keep on praying and God will work out the supernatural and what you cannot do. But he says there, he says in one hand, have a trial. You keep on laying the brick brick by brick block by block wall by wall. And he says, in the other hand, I want you to have a sword. He says, in one hand I want you to build, in the other hand I want you to fight, and in your mouth I want you to pray. And I want to give you some perspective of your life and things you're going through with your family. You need to keep on building your family my good God. You need to keep on building your business. You need to keep on building your education, but you need to have the sword of the spirit in the other hand that says devil, by the word of God, I will keep fighting you. And in between the word of God, God, I'm going to speak and pray in the spirit because God, I'm going to do all I can in the natural. God, I'm not going to stop. This wall's not going to be built just with prayer, but I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to keep on building. I'm going to keep on laying these blocks. I'm going to keep on laying this education. I'm going to keep on laying this promotion because God, I got back behind me. He says, there is a sound. There is a sound that is about to come. And he says, when you hear that sound, he said, let us rally together. My good God, somebody shout a sound. There is a sound that's going to be made that when you hear this sound go off. Having you know, there are certain sounds in the Earth that can create warfare in the heavenlies. Oh my goodness, There are certain sounds in the Earth when it is released, it gets God's attention my good God. It gets God's attention and what I like about it in Isaiah he says it is going to be from the generations coming together and how have you know that is the church's vision in this house. It is the church's vision in the body of Christ that when generations come together, the old and the young and the white and the black, the white hair and the black hair, that we get together and we begin to make a sound from our spirits we begin to lift up a voice and say god i need you god i need you to keep building this wall because what i'm building in this region what i'm building in this area i'm building it because the enemy will not attack this region any longer he will not be he will not attack my state any longer. But there is a sound. Somebody shout sound. There is a sound that goes into the heavenlies. Elijah said it like this. He said, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. He said, I hear a sound of an abundance of rain. If you're going through lack in the natural, I dare you to make a sound that produces Produces abundance. If there's a sound of poverty in the natural, I dare you to make blessings and the prosperity come down from. I like what Joshua said. He said, I want you to march around the walls of Jericho. I want you to march around those things. But on the seventh day, he said, you're going to make a sound that's going to make warfare. That's going to make the enemy's walls come down. It's going to make things begin to happen that you cannot happen. But it comes from a sound. Somebody make a sound in this place shout in this place I dare you generationally to begin to make a sound I dare you racially to begin to make a sound I dare you all all ethnicities, all generations, all statuses of riches and poors, I dare you to begin to make a sound and see not just that the enemy takes the walls down, but he begins to build a wall around your house, around your job, around your life, that everything that was meant is gonna turn out for your good my good God weeping may endure for a night but joy from my sound is coming in the morning I dare you to begin to make a sound out of your spirit out of your belly that there be rivers of flowing water out of you there is a sound somebody give God praise